0: Hey there, I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, 5 Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. Forward slash class and save your seat. Welcome to the Hello Sunday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit BetterHelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash someday. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48. So if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Hi there. I'm excited for this episode because it's on a topic I get asked about all the time. We are going to talk about sleep. My guest is Terry Crawley. She's a registered nurse and a certified clinical sleep educator, a nationally recognized sleep clinician. Certified in clinical sleep health and healthcare quality, Terry is the co-author of two books on sleep, Sleeping Your Way to the Top, How to Get the Sleep You Need to Succeed, and Snoozy and the Great Big Bedtime Battle. I'm really excited to talk with Terry to help you if you're drinking to help you sleep or if you believe it helps you go to sleep or if you're in early sobriety and struggling with sleep, or further along and just want to optimize your sleep and get a better sleep routine for better health. So Terry, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It's a pleasure to be with you today, Casey. I look forward to talking with you about sleep, my favorite subject. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about What are the keys to better sleep? And maybe we should start with what are the misconceptions that people have about alcohol and how it might help them sleep? Right. And that's a great
1: place to start because there are a lot of misconceptions in that sort of context. And they're also, in fact, I'll back up one step behind that and say there are a lot of people that have a bad, very bad attitude about sleep. In general, you know, a disregard for sleep, uh, looking, viewing sleep and sleep requirements as sort of a weakness or a vulnerability, a lack of ambition, lack of the work ethic, and that's a huge problem. A lot of people that I encounter and in, in, in our country, based on statistics about the number of people that don't get enough sleep every night, people generally don't have a good uh, relationship with sleep, but but they don't have a good attitude about it hence the poor relationship they just think it's you know a, a thing that they have to do they do it grudgingly they don't understand the benefits and as well they don't understand the consequences of not getting enough so if you pair that bad attitude with someone who has been drinking and and has been drinking to help them fall asleep we've got some problems so let's dive into that a little bit you know it it's There's a vicious cycle that will ensue when people drink before bedtime, typically or historically, traditionally called a nightcap. They think it helps them fall asleep. And this is a huge problem because it really doesn't. A drink before bed can make a lot of people sleepy, but it will absolutely, that alcohol that's ingested will wreak havoc on your sleep for the rest of the night. So it's interfering with your sleep, it's causing numerous awakenings, it's really messing up your sleep cycles, and it usually causes early morning awakenings. So so then you've got a person who's not getting enough sleep because of the alcohol ingestion at night and before bed, or let's just say in the evening. So that person is going to manifest all of the difficulties associated with not enough sleep during that day. They're going to be stressed out. We know that lack of sleep leads to stress. They're going to be cranky, irritable, tired. A lot of them will consume caffeine all day, eat junk food all day, just do anything to stay alert and awake. And all of those daytime habits lead to what? Problem falling asleep at night. So these people in this population are self-medicating with alcohol, and we have to absolutely stop doing that because it's just setting the stage for a long-term problem that can be alleviated if we just do a few strategies and, and understand that it won't help, that it will hurt sleep. And that definitely, if we are more protective about sleep, have a better attitude about it and realize how it can change our lives and reduce cravings or or need for alcohol or or a dependence on alcohol. When you're well rested, you're happier, you're healthier, you're less stressed out, you make better decisions, you're more productive, you have better relationships. I mean, all of those things occur when you get plenty of sleep. And I just don't think there are enough people that understand that. Therefore, making sleep,
0: sufficient sleep a top priority in their day to day lives. Yeah. And I want to talk about All of those benefits, I have to say things that I've heard from people I'm friends with. One of the things about going to bed early is there's sort of this perception that you almost need to apologize for it. Like I have a girlfriend, I go walking with her once a week at 6am and we always message each other before bed. There's a group of us like confirming so we don't drive somewhere and nobody shows up. And she's like, Yeah, I'm 80 years old. I'm going to bed at 8 30. And you know, there's almost this idea that you're super boring or super lame if you go to bed early. And also, I know with my husband, I go to bed at like 10. And I feel like, or maybe he feels like I'm ignoring him, right? Because you see each other in the morning when everybody's super busy. And then you get the kids to bed. I have two kids. My my kids go to bed at 10 so i kind of go to bed when they do and so he's alone in the evenings and it's only on the weekends that i stay up with him so there there are these social ideas that you're boring if you go to bed too early do you hear that as well absolutely
1: absolutely i mean and see we on that on some level we equate that with you know or not not doing enough, not being enough, not producing enough, not performing well. We I mean, again, it's looked as an at as a negative, viewed as a negative, when really it's just, I mean, I I think all the research now points to it is the most important health habit to get into, because we've learned that diet and exercise follow, you know, you have to have that foundation of sleep. Diet and exercise are really built upon that. So We've been looking at it all wrong. And I think we're going to start holding up people to a higher regard that protect their sleep, care about their sleep. It's a very responsible thing to do. I mean, just like eating healthy, you know, getting exercise, just, you know, doing all the things we've been told to to do for the optimal health and performance. Yeah. Again, that sleep's been left out of the equation. So I think, we're going to start saying, oh, well, you get so much done because you sleep, not because you don't sleep. And, you know, so many people i have been in my seminars, workshops, and they'll say, well, I need to get more done. So I'm going to trade my sleep hours for more waking hours. Yeah. And, you know, it's very hard to explain to people or sell people on this idea that you're going to get more done and do it better Mm -hmm. when you're well rested. And that's Conceptually, that's just, I think, hard for a lot of people. I have to tell you about a seminar I was on the West Coast. I was in California talking about the need for teenagers to get plenty of sleep. You know, most teenagers need about 9.25 hours a night. And how many do you know that get that amount?
0: We actually had to just now. I have a 14 year old son. He's a freshman in high school. And, you know, he is currently in the middle of playing. Basketball and baseball. And so plus homework. And we got a note from his biochem teacher that she was concerned about his health. Yeah, because he was falling asleep in class. He was uh and she's like, and sometimes even when I wake him up, he falls back to sleep. He used to, you know, in the fall, he had all this energy and first of all, my husband is the head of the middle school at his school. So he was like, You're killing me, kid. But also we were like, of course, you know, that that parent thing where we're like, Yeah, it seems like you're not getting enough sleep. And what we're gonna do is set an alarm and you're gonna turn in your phone and your computer at ten PM until we hear that you are bright eyed and bushy tailed <laughs> during all your classes. And he was like, Oh, you know.
1: exactly but it's a common problem and it's a serious issue when a lot of school start times are very early but this mother of a teenager was sitting in the front row of my seminar and she said you know she said terry i'm going to be real i mean she's saying let's be realistic my son does six hours of homework every night because i want him to go to an ivy league school and you know i said okay and i said how many hours of sleep does he get and she said six, maybe seven every night. And and that's when you have to push back and say, look, he could probably do the same amount of homework and studying in a lot less time if he's well rested. I mean, all these brain functions are so impacted yeah. by our sleep, whether we have a, enough or, or not enough. I mean, decision making, problem solving, just clarity of thought, ability to focus outlook, you know, kind of a can do attitude, we can tackle that problem, we can tackle that amount of homework, and then still have energy to do things. So it's, it's so central to just how we look at life and approach life and interact with everyone and take it all in. Well, it's the same thing with drinking,
0: because I know a lot of people listening to this um, are, you know, it's amazing. One, when you stop drinking, it takes a Mm. while to get back in the habit of falling asleep without it. And obviously, if you're going through alcohol withdrawal, you tend to have night sweats in the beginning, depending on how much you consume and really struggle with sleeping in the beginning. Um, A lot of women are so tired because they've been drinking for years and years that they probably have not had a good night of sleep in years or at least in months. And therefore they're exhausted and yet they're trying so hard to keep up with their busy lives that like they're terrified of not sleeping. I know I used to be, but the truth is that when you stop drinking and when you sleep better, you can have fewer hours working and you're going to be so much more clear, have less brain fog, be more energetic, be more productive and relaxed. You don't even know how that feels unless you do that experiment, and I think the same thing is true for sleep, yeah, and it's a it's
1: a process, and I think we've got to you know change the mindset i I have a very guilty pleasure for reading i I just love to curl up with a book at bedtime, and that's what I look forward to. Mm. It's relaxing, and another thing we tell people um the, the sleep professionals don't try to fall asleep. Don't try to sleep. You know, the whole point is always have a bedtime routine. They're great for kids, but they're also great for adults. We've got to do something, have that time frame to transition our minds and bodies from wake to sleep. It's a transition time. But save one guilty pleasure, and it could be something. um, I've had friends taking up, crocheting, um, needlepoint. You know, just find something that just makes you happy. For me, it's always reading but that's my look forward to thing. And it, it, it's so, I mean, I say, I'm just, I mean, the thought process, I'm going to relax, sleep will follow. I'm going to yeah. do something pleasant and relaxing, sleep will follow.
0: And for some so, people, it's a bath or a shower or putting yes. on essential oils. And I'm sure you're you're going to talk to us about all the good stuff we can do. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and it's my own personal um, thing that I'm trying to do less is the idea of like, can we stop calling things we enjoy guilty pleasures and just call them <laughs> pleasures? Just, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, Why do we have to feel guilty for doing things that we enjoy? When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. To get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. So I, think I love that. It does say one. one of my pleasures is reading before bed and i don't feel right and i shouldn't
1: and don't feel guilty. i mean my I god it's we're just,
0: adults when do we get to like just do things we enjoy even if they're not you know somehow yeah. being productive or helpful to the family or whatever it is
1: yeah and maybe that re- is reflective of our prior traditional for most people poor yeah. relationship with sleep because yeah. i think we've kind of been getting ready for bed begrudgingly um you know and just sort of not looking at it as a lovely end to a lovely day and the beginning of a brand new day follows. And um, I, I talk to people about write, write down or make a note of or think of three wonderful things that happen to you during the day. Always has to be good things. We want to get sort of in a mindset that is relaxing and then leads to sleep and, and good quality sleep. And um, I, know, I know there's always a problem with mind raising at night. Um, And that's where I I don't want anyone to reach for alcohol, to sort of try try to um, cancel that out. But there's so many effective strategies that will reduce or stop completely mind racing. And that is at the end of the workday, literally write down a list of things that you, you know, did that day or need to do future to do list things. I mean, Keep everything, you know, do a piece, literally the old fashioned piece of paper. It helps make things look more manageable Mm -hmm. and and doable and not so overwhelming. Sometimes, you know, it kind of runs through your brain, but then you're like, no, I've got it on paper. I've got three columns and, (laughs) you know, we could do this. And see, that's another thing you've got when you're getting that good quality sleep, your daytime functioning, your daytime outlook, your mood. Everything is is just so much better. And you're you're gonna feel instead of maybe an evening drink, um, you know, you you're gonna feel more like going to take a walk. Yeah. Things that um you have it's just it's so energizing to get that good night's sleep. You're gonna actually eat better too. You're going to choose healthier foods. You don't have those cravings that typically um sleep deprived people are reaching for every day that lead to them feeling bad and gaining weight. So the healthy diet contributes to a good night's sleep. And all of these things are additive and cumulative. And when you're getting that sleep, you're, the day is, it's completely different. And I have heard from many people, it's life-changing when they've just,
0: they've, they, they've lost their point of reference to a good night's sleep. Yeah. Like when everybody talks about how sober sleep is the best and, you don't realize how badly you're sleeping until you get away from it um i I know that that here's something I hear a lot right. from people, like obviously, a lot of alcohol is bad for your sleep, right? People will say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know mm-hmm. that if I drink a bottle of wine a night, I have the three a m wake ups with the racing anxiety, and I can't fall back to sleep, sure. That is true. But we were talking just before we jumped on, on some of the statistics that people probably are not aware of, which is, you know, if you drink one drink for women, a single drink, it will decrease your sleep quality by 24%. And anything over a single drink for women will decrease your sleep quality by 39%. When I saw those numbers, I was stunned. It's huge. It's huge, Casey. And
1: think of how that is impacting your entire life and every aspect of your functioning, not to mention your health. I mean, this is serious stuff. Um, Even just, you know, falling asleep, using alcohol within one hour of going to bed will reduce your melatonin production by 20%. We need that melatonin to help us fall asleep and stay asleep and it's our body's way of of making that happen mm-hmm. and we're going to reduce the output by 20%. I mean, by taking that drink, it's just it, it it's it's such I mean the rewards are are just in you know just wonderful compared yeah. to that that one drink. The risk benefit is what I'm trying to say is yeah. it's that one drink at night worth all of this just wreaking havoc on your sleep. And when your sleep is disrupted to that degree, your day, your entire
0: day is disrupted to that degree. Can we talk about the good, healthy, how to improve the quality of your sleep and then what the benefits of positive sleep are? Because I think everyone's like, yeah, 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 I need to not. I mean, my God, my husband stays up till 1230 or one in the morning watching TV and I'm just like, babe, you got to come to bed earlier. But he's like, this is my only time I get all day to like veg out. So obviously, in my mind, it's like, don't stay up till midnight watching TV. But what are some of the the really good sleep hygiene things that people should do?
1: One of the most important ones is to keep your bedroom as dark as possible. I've been surprised. I mean, there's always surprising things in my line of work. but. When I talk to adults that leave lights on, I mean, in either in the bedroom or in the hallway or something, and I'm thinking, oh no, 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 (laughs) I just don't. So um years ago, I've been in in the field of sleep medicine for quite a long time, but one of the first things I did when I started preaching (laughs) good sleep habits was I got the blackout curtains in the bedroom. And it was amazing, the difference. You just feel so well rested in the morning when it's pitch dark. Mm. So and that's it. That's an easy fix and a quick fix. Now, I always take the um, sleep masks when I travel, because we just can't really predict the hotel room kind of situation. And those are much more comfortable now than I mean, I think we were sort of limited options years ago. But there's all these new brands and styles. And I often get them sent to me to, you know, see if they're good. Yeah. That's part of my job. I love, but really comfortable ones out there that won't pinch your hair, won't put pressure on your face. So if you tried them before and didn't like them, try them again. Um, I think it's real important to look at the sleep surface. I've talked to people who have had the same mattress for, (laughs) let's see, 36 years is the record. I was sitting next to a a gal on, on a flight um, to Arizona. And she was telling me she'd been to every sleep doctor, every sleep specialist. She couldn't figure out what was wrong. And as soon as she found out what I did, she said, let me start telling you. And sh- she went over everything. And at the end of her whole story, I said, hey, cause she'd pretty much done a lot. So I said, how old's your mattress? And she said, 36 years old. <laughs> and I said, go get a new one. And, and she's just- but email me and see if that didn't help. <laughs> but, um, um, and also it's sort of in that vein. At every healthcare provider encounter, talk about sleep with your healthcare provider, address it. There, I think people insomnia is a big, big problem for people that have been drinking and have and might still be struggling with and when they've stopped. We can get control of insomnia. We can help people through cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's called and it's short for CBTI-I. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. It works very effective. You can do it in person with the provider, or you can even do it um, over the internet, telehealth. There's some programs online. It is amazingly effective.
0: What kind of things are, are involved in that CBT for sleep? I'm just curious. Yeah, reframing the way you look at sleep, um, you know,
1: how you approach it. Um, Obviously, it incorporates good sleep hygiene. The dark room, the cool room, the quiet room. What can you do to eliminate outside noise? You know, is it a white noise machine, ceiling fan? But really, I think, you know, if you kind of look in our homes, we've always put a lot of time and attention into the kitchen. And then sometimes the bathroom, we really have to look at the sleep environment with a new pair of eyes and and say, look, what's going to really help get the best night's sleep? No clutter in the bedroom. Clutter Mm -hmm. is very distracting. Keep it serene. And again, that nighttime routine, very important. Um, And think of things like that are so relaxing, super relaxing, yoga, meditation. Um, I've talked to people. Chi Chi in the evening has been a
0: a really cool thing. It's helped a lot of people. You know, it's one of the first things I did when I when I stopped drinking, um, like two months later, I had sort of redone every room in my house, except my bedroom. Um, And I think it was possibly, you know, I did the kids room, I chose the blankets and the colors and everything was super cute. And then my bedroom was just the afterthought, right? I would like super busy at home, busy with the kids, drink a bottle of wine, go up and and fall asleep. And so when you stop drinking, you need this like safe space, this like bubble to retreat to where you aren't used to all the cues of alcohol. And so I would go up there after my daughter went to bed and I got myself a new blanket, this like gorgeous white faux fur, you know, throw, I got turquoise bedside lamps, I finally painted the walls white. And I got an essential oil diffuser. And I listened to Insight Timer sleep meditations. It's a free app before bed. And it was so lovely.
1: Isn't it amazing? We love rituals. I mean, and I having that nighttime tea when I'm unwinding before I get to the bedroom, you know, that sleep routine should be the steps should lead you to the bedroom, do them in the same order every night. But if it's, I mean, my thing, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's my pleasure. Good. It's tea. Just this, you know, and how and, can tea be a guilty pleasure?
0: Right. That's <laughs> crazy.
1: <creepy. laughs> and, you know, our bodies like rhythms and, and we have body clocks. And another thing I think is important for your listeners to to know is get a consistent bed and wake time, obviously one that allows for sufficient sleep. But you know, try to make that a thing don't don't vary wildly. I have a lot of of course, you know, people that talk to me about well, they undersleep during the week because they have a hectic work schedule. So there's undersleeping during the week and then catch-up sleeping on the on yeah. the weekend. And our body clocks don't like that uh craziness. We we like that consistency. So don't let it vary too wildly. Don't hit the snooze alarm.
0: Yeah. And I work with a lot of nurses and doctors who just aren't able to do that right. They're on call. Yeah, a couple nights a week or working at crazy hours. I mean, I feel for them. Yeah, we've got to look at things, you know,
1: countermeasures, napping, you know, things like that. Um, and I think we have to feel comfortable. And and again, as I mentioned before, unapologetic for our need for sleep. You know, when you talk about doctors for nurses or, or even new mothers, don't drive when you're tired. I mean, your, your brain will, will shut off. It's called a micro sleep. Drowsy driving is as dangerous as drunk driving. That's how impaired we are when we're sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's a safety thing. And, and then I tell people, I mean, obviously one of the common things is stress. And, and I think prior when people have reached for alcohol to help alleviate stress and, and deal with stress, um, there's a lovely... I don't know who said this. I think it was someone at Walter Reed, a sleep specialist at Walter Reed Hospital, um, said sufficient sleep is Kevlar for the mind. Isn't that cool? I mean, it gets you through things. You can handle stress better. You can handle stressful events. You manage it better. You're you're better equipped to handle anything that comes your way with a, you know, a good attitude, good outlook, good, you know, a feeling of optimism. Another thing that's fascinating, Christopher Barnes has done research into we're more ethical when we're well rested. I mean, think, think about these implications when it comes to people's careers, family life. Obviously, our relationships uh, with family members and friends are better when we're well rested and our, our coworkers. It, I mean, like I said, it, it just every single aspect of who you are and how you do things are impacted by sleep. So I always say, Start with sleep. I mean, even with the the new year, right? Right. Uh, we're on the heels of that. It's people diet and exercise is are in those New Year's resolutions. You're gonna fall off that wagon if you don't start with sleep because you need that not only the energy.
0: When I know that, like about a year after I stopped drinking, so back in 2017, Arianna Huffington wrote the book The Sleep Revolution. And I feel like, I mean, I heard her on various podcasts. It opened up sort of the conversation around how sleep really impacts weight gain and diabetes mm-hmm. and heart disease and cancer and Alzheimer's and all the, the stuff that, um, we don't think about mm-hmm. in terms no. of, you know, what the, the sleep deprivation, you know, actually impacts. Yes, I went to a health fair, I had a gentleman,
1: probably in his early 50s, tell me that he'll sleep when he's dead, you know, and it's always a laugh after yeah. that, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, but it's, it's very much the prevailing mentality. And I said, Well, you know, that's just more likely to occur, you know, sooner rather than later, unless you <laughs> listen to my little talk today. So it, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, a, it's a tall order. And, and, you know, I want to be careful, um, to how I talk to people about sleep, how I start the conversation. I don't want to shame anyone who's not doing it, but I, I think if you get it, you'll get it, uh, literally Mm -hmm. and figuratively. If you get sleep, you'll get it, get off that point of reference. It can take about 30 days. I've, I've helped people get through 30 day sleep challenges where, yeah, you know what set that bedtime alarm. So you don't procrastinate going to bed. Um, Get that bedtime alarm going. Go to sleep on time. Allow yourself seven to nine hours, average adult, somewhere in there. Whatever your sweet spot is, it'll vary a little bit. Wake up and see how much better you'll feel and function. And and it can take a while because you probably have accrued some sleep debt that needs to be paid off. But yeah. um, and then you're, you're you'll see a big change in so many things. It it was interesting. We took care of a a lady in her late 40s, uh, a patient in our sleep clinic that had severe sleep apnea. So we got her treated with CPAP. And uh, it it was interesting. Her first follow-up visit, her husband was with her. And he said, thank you for giving me my wife back. And he said she yelled at us. She yelled at the kids. She was short-tempered. She didn't like our job. And he said, I mean, he, he said, it's just amazing, the personality Back to how she was before. So I think there are a lot of things we attribute to things, but it, not sleep. Like, I think we look at, my relationship's not good, or I can't stand my job, or I keep putting on weight because I'm such and such an age, or, you know, what, all of these things. But in reality, and to be truthful, it's really about
0: sleep. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I wanna invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, The Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it, or hating the process. The course includes the exact step by step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one on one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it and when it fits into your schedule. You don't need to work your life around group meetings, or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time and I would love to see you in the course. But I, see, people, Okay, so I'm 47 years old. How much sleep am I supposed to be getting? Seven to nine hours a okay. I'm doing the math. All right, I'm close. And
1: there are bedtime close. calculators online that are fun to do. Bedtime calculators yeah. are fun to do with kids too. You know, because that way you don't want to be the ogre at night who says, okay, stop everything you're doing. It's time to go to bed now. we got to really yeah. change the way we approach bedtime with kids. So when they're adults, they won't be fighting it. I mean, yeah. some adults approach bedtime just like three-year-olds do. You know, they don't yeah. want to go to bed. <laughs> it's me time. Or they, they do want to watch their shows. They do want to do all of this stuff instead of getting the sleep they need to be their best, to be their best parent, to be their best spouse.
0: I think I'm really lucky with my daughter, except on the weekends where I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. So I stopped drinking when she was two years old. So I got in the habit of like, instead of putting her to bed and rushing downstairs to like get back to the couch and my wine, it was sort of my safe space. Sure. So I'd spend a lot of time rocking her to sleep, listening to something on my earbuds, but she had, you know a really dark room, because with kids, we do a better job of making the room dark than we do with adults. And we had her sleep um, machine, sound machine that had waves. And I would just stay with her till she fell asleep. So fast forward, you know, seven years, she's turning nine, I still put her to bed every night and, you know, kind of fall asleep with her. So you know, I think of it as, you know, she wants me to scratch her back. We have the cute conversation she reads to me, Harry Potter now. Love it, which is kind of nice. Um, and then I just like feel her going to sleep and her breathing. And it reminds me of little babies. We used to have this sleep sheep that we put in her crib that had like the heartbeat, you know, to make babies feel comfortable. But then, of course, I wake up and go to my bed at like midnight when my husband comes (laughs) up. I mean, what a great way for her to end, finish her day.
1: Um, Bedtime is a real special time.
0: And uh, yeah, we always are like, God, I feel sorry for a college (laughs) (laughs) room. I'm going to be like, excuse me, where's my, where's my massage? Where's my scratch back?
1: Yeah, they just, I just posted a study in LinkedIn about the college students, the ones that get the most sleep get get the best grades. It's mm-hmm. it's so interesting. It's so interesting. But um, we just have to keep keep preaching. But with kids, yeah, I start the conversation early and often. You know, if we can get kids to sort of buy into the teeth brushing thing, I think it's it's not too uh, far fetched to get them to sort of buy into the sleep thing when they're young, because they can have a, an entirely different trajectory in life. I mean, just think about that, better health, better learning, you know, the whole ability to the classroom um, sleep is so important. So it, it's a, it's a, we got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. And of course there are lots of challenges, right? If you have an older child with a room next to a new baby or a kid who's waking up in the middle of the night, I know, Lots of women I work with, their husbands have sleep apnea or horrible snores. And yet they either don't want to go to a separate bedroom because that's a whole, you know, phase of marriage that some people are like, yikes. I always said I wouldn't do this or don't have another room. Um, although there was just a study in the mm-hmm. New York Times that I read about couples who were sleeping separately and normalizing. We're working on it. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me about that, like what to do if you do have, you know, disruptions, loud noises, non-peaceful. I mean, I assume your earplugs are one option. Right. But obviously, you know, if if your spouse um,
1: bed partner is having any issue, any issue with the legs twitching, just tossing and turning, can't fall asleep, stay asleep, frequent awakenings the breathing issues and snoring, get them to the sleep doctor. Um, always. I mean, we always have a lot of questions about, well, will insurance cover it? Yes. The insurers know now how important it is, but you know, get them treated. Don't let them uh, go without treatment. But there are a lot of things we are working to normalize it and to taking away the stigma because relationships are much better when both people are healthy and well-rested. I mean, the mental health and sleep connection is a uh, pretty amazing. And the more we know, the more we, again, prioritize the sleep. So, um, But they're in in separate rooms. You know what? Um, My son has a furniture store and uh, I've noticed a big uptick in the adjustable bases that are being sold to put your mattress on. You can put your mattress on the base and you get the head of the bed up, get it elevated a little bit. And what they have now, you can do two twin XLs so a king size bed you can have your head up while your bed partner's head is could be flat or vice versa so you can still sleep together but still have completely different sleep positions and, and your the ability to to get comfortable um but i think it's again take away the stigma of sleeping apart because you're asleep but we don't want we don't want you you having less you know not getting enough sleep because the bed partner's not getting you know, has something going on. I mean, we don't yeah. want to. Yeah.
0: I'll link to that um yeah. that article in the show notes because it just came out and I thought it was really interesting, especially if you look at all the mm-hmm. comments underneath of people who are like, Yes, my my partner and I do sleep apart and have for years and you know, it's it's sort of something that most people don't talk about. Uh, right? I hope that changes. I hope I hope that changes. So, yeah, it's called I Love You, But I Don't Want to Sleep With You. (laughs) Came out six days ago. That was perfect before this. So we talked about adjusting the light and the noise. What about the temperature in your bedroom? Yeah, on the cooler side,
1: I think um, we've, you know, keep it cool. The adults, I mean, it's it's. Are you a hot sleeper cold sleeper? I mean, you're gonna there're gonna be a lot of variations again. That's where we get it's a tall order to share a bed with someone when you think of all these different things. But I think more and more um inroads are being made in the sleep surface with cooling textiles, cooling ingredients that are, that are in mattresses, in bedding, uh in your sleepwear, things that can not just cool the room or or adjust the room temperature or impact it but things you can wear and sleep on and under that that will keep you at a comfortable temperature. Um, I know in the winter, more so than in the summer, I have to put socks on when my feet are cold. Uh, Warming your extremities could actually help kind of cool your core, which will help you fall asleep. So socks, don't be shy to put on a pair of warm socks if if your feet are cold, because those will keep you up. But I mean, anything that you can do to make that room comfortable. If you get up in the middle of the night, another important thing, gosh, this is such a, a a danger zone, I call it. People get up to use the restroom and look at the phone. Ah, so they're looking at the phone and the next thing you know, it's like, well, who just sent me that message? Then they look at the message. Oh my God, let me see that comment on social media. Not just the light, but the content. And I cannot tell you how many people say, oh, well, it was an hour." of looking at stuff and then I felt you know I couldn't fall back to sleep. Well, that light is so disruptive. I have the old fashioned clock in the bedroom. Um try not to look at anything that's backlit and obviously so if, um, you don't keep your phone in your bedroom. It's in my bedroom, but it's not where I I'm gonna I'm not gonna pick it up if I get up. Uh-huh. I have a small light. Um to you know I, I can move safely in the bedroom without picking up that phone because that's <laughs> That's where trouble lies. So you, you don't want to do that. Yeah.
0: Um avoid that at all. Okay. And if you go Oh my gosh, my husband actually just started putting on this, I think it's from Spotify, but this, like, I feel like it's this trippy music, but the kind that like puts you into a trance that I have to think about what it is. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. It sounds like the spa music, but it really works for me. I feel like I'm I'm just being lulled into this, like, deep place. See, find what works for you. Okay, my friend, his wife,
1: loves Keith Morris on Dateline. Have you ever heard him talk? And and to fall asleep, she listens to a little bit of podcasts. Listening is nice. It's distracting. I ha I love to be distracted sort of when I'm drifting off to sleep. It's like kids, that's why they like a story at night before bed. It's distracting. Your imagination kind of runs and it's just, it's, it's fun and it's escape. But, you know, is it a familiar voice? And for something about his voice is magic to her puts her to sleep and she doesn't even get through a, you know, a third of the podcast. She just hears the voice. It's repetitive. She's been through it. It's familiar. She knows how it's going to end and she goes right off to sleep um my son likes to listen to an audiobook um and he said it's usually something boring like a boring biography and with someone with pretty much of a monotone and boom he's out
0: so it, you know have I, you ever heard of the podcast sleep with me y- yes, yes i have it's yes. boring bedtime yes. stories yes. like literally that is the podcast and it is within the top five yeah, yeah. mental health podcasts yeah. forever. It's called Sleep With Me yes. by Dearest Scooter, which by the yeah. way, if you're interested, he is also sober. So that's awesome. interesting.
1: Awesome. Oh um, yeah, that just I mean, it makes bedtime a little more fun. It it works. Find what works for you. I mean, it 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 definitely is worth, you know, a little. little trial and error. It doesn't take much. These are small steps, you know, in the scheme of things, minor strategies that can be life-changing. I mean, think about that.
0: Well, what about people who are like, yes, yes, yes. I'm taking the melatonin. I'm going to bed. I still can't sleep. Like, what do you, what do you feel like they should do? Are they not giving it enough time? Are they not Exercising or are they exercising before bed? Is it what they're eating? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: mean, it could be a lot of things. Again, that's why I always say get thee to a sleep, doctor. Um and, and you know, the physical exercise, the physical activity during the day, huge impact on sleep. But again, I work with mothers who say, There's no way I can get to the gym at 6 a.m. Um, you know, you you take a walk at six a.m. I can't do anything at six a.m. I am a night owl, and and I just, and my my brain doesn't work. I I couldn't even. Oh God, I I couldn't do it. But I'm an evening exerciser. You will see me at a gym mm-hmm. after dinner, and there has been recent research, fairly recent. I mean, I think back in the day, we had these hard and fast rules. Never, ever, ever exercise. At nighttime, it'll interfere with your sleep. And I'm looking at this packed gym with all these people working out. And sometimes it depends on the type of exercise. But some people do fine, uh, myself included, with evening exercise. But even for people that haven't been active and want to see an improvement in their sleep, I'm talking baby steps, (laughs) literally 10-minute walk. A ten-minute walk during the day will positively impact your sleep quality that night. It will ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, that's all I'm asking. Ten minutes, and then you'll be surprised. After a couple nights, you're going to feel much better in the morning. You're going to want to keep walking, and then you'll walk farther, and then you'll sleep better. And the next thing you know, you're going to join the gym two blocks away and say, you know, I I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to take up tennis. I mean, all of these doors open for people Mm -hmm. when they're getting sleep and, and, but again, they've, they've just, well, I'm a certain age or, uh, I don't sleep like I used to. My point of reference is their point of reference is shot and it's not old age. It's not this or that. I mean, it's no, you're not getting enough sleep and it's so simple. I think sometimes we're leery of simple things and -hmm. maybe to be told to sleep more to counter all these um, chronic diseases and, you know, you, certain cancers are related to insufficient sleep, um, yeah. really scary stuff. And I don't, I mean, that's not how I motivate and encourage people. I mean, I try to do that with positives because there's so many, they're plentiful, they're life-changing and so rewarding. Um, but but be aware that, that it's a serious thing and really easy steps can make it happen. This is this isn't a tall order. Unless, like you said, though back to your point, you you're trying everything with no success. It could be a sleep disorder. There are there are over 88 sleep disorders. I mean, most everything is easily managed, treated. We don't treat insomnia just with, you know, uh heavy meds anymore at all. It's cognitive behavioral um, therapy for insomnia is the number one most recommended uh Step to take. Um, There's so many good things that will really help people get the sleep they need. Sleep tests, Mm -hmm. you know, the sleep studies have improved vastly. You can get them done. You can do them at home, or you do them Mm -hmm. in the in the clinic. And of all the medical tests, it's probably one of the easiest. People always tell me, "Oh, I'm worried about how do I get up and use the restroom with all those wires." Well, all of those wires that come out, you know, have one or two simple little plugs, and it's it's truly truly. Um, easy when compared to if you find someone with severe sleep apnea and treat it like it, it it's just uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing turnaround
0: so when we're talking about sleep what about the what are the biggest benefits that people can expect and do you have like a timeline where you feel like at this point you should feel more rested in the morning or stop waking up in the middle of the night. If you, I mean, I remember when I stopped drinking, I think it was day 12. Mm -hmm. The first night I sort of logged like, oh my God, I slept through Mm -hmm. the night and this is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a wide variation and it'll depend on a lot of things, but that's the cool thing about sleep. I mean, there's, there's plenty of immediate benefits that you can feel right off the bat. So so I'm, you know, if you take those steps, I think you'll, you'll see, um, there's immediate gratification. It's not all just, I'm going to get my sleep every night. So I don't have dementia when I'm 83, you know, that far flung sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, how am I going to handle that? No, I mean, just, I think, gosh, symptoms of ADHD, whether it's in children or adults, People will really describe well how their focus has improved. Um, I think I'm always intrigued with job satisfaction, um, improving uh, retention. I-, I work a lot with nurses and educating them about sleep and uh, keeping nurses happy at their jobs and making sure they get plenty of sleep to do better at their jobs. I mean, it it just factors into so many things. But um, I think the immediate good mood. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you may just yeah. attribute the irritability to other things. I mean, look at how we look at teenage angst. You know, teenagers can be pretty ornery. And, you know, it's always the sort of the jokes are made about it. And, oh, my God, teenagers will do this and that. And, I mean, it's a lot of it's sleep deprivation. Even the serious yeah. things they yeah. do, I mean, substance abuse, their propensity to start drinking in their teenage years because of sleep deprivation, drug use, uh, promiscuity, reckless behavior, taking risks, huge thing, lack of judgment. um mm-hmm. we I, I did a a show long time ago. I did a radio show on f- horrible financial decisions made by people that are sleep deprived. and don't make any mm-hmm. big decisions. like at any point when you're sleep deprived. I'm not saying you know, we can be sleep deprived other than just at bedtime. You know, who hasn't been up yeah. all night with a crying baby? we'll we'll yeah. you know, behave accordingly you know, look at the time, do the math and say, I'm too tired to make this decision about cashing out my, you know, retirement plan or buying this, you know, risky kind of thing or or join, you know, closing my business. I mean, think of all the things. So yeah, I mean, personality things, I think most people don't see that connection or make that association. So, so it's, but I think they'll start seeing improvements and not necessarily attributed to, wow, I'm getting more sleep. But I think they'll yeah. see just, what is it? Ha- happiness, gratitude, um, increase with sleep, and gratitude toward your partner. I just think these are lovely mm-hmm. things that really enhance the quality of life for all of us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I always think about the quote, like joy comes in the morning, like just waking up well rested, not waking up in the middle of the night, waking up and literally stretching in your bed and just thinking about your day, even if Mm -hmm. it's busy, without the immediate thought of how am I going to cope today? And for me, just having, you know, 30 minutes in a quiet house before everyone wakes up and we start rushing around like that is that is lovely and you know let me just interject real quickly here about
1: waking up in the middle of the night this is real important for listeners and i don't i always after the end of podcasts i'll think oh i forgot to mention this if you wake up in the middle of the night don't panic now i tell you people will, will actually do start getting stressed out and saying oh my god my next day is ruined um And then they start, you know, I've got three more hours till I have to be up at that meeting, three more hours for, you know, that whole mind stuff starts occurring. We have a little different, I call it brain soup is different during the middle of the night. We're very emotional, that that brain chemistry. We're in a different sort of mindset in the middle of the night. So we'll feel stressed out. I tell people, just chill out, chill out. Don't stress over having to get up. Don't stress about being awake. Because that will keep you awake. Um, I don't know if that's helpful tonight, but I, or not. But I just you have to kind of giggle to yourself and say, "Oh, here we go." Crazy brain is you know I'm I'm starting to stress. I think the more relaxed we are about the sleep thing, and the more we say, "Oh, well, of course, I'm going to be much more uh, whacked at, at three a.m. because I I woke up to to use the restroom and now I, what am I going to do? Just just let it go." Um, if you do need to read for a little bit or something, but i th- I find that if the room's dark and comfortable, you're comfortable, you're on a comfortable mattress, it's quiet. you'll probably fall right back to sleep super fast and and um if not, just just chill out and think happy
0: thoughts. Will you um, talk to me a little bit about sleep medications? Um, I know when I went to my doctor and said, oh, my God, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm waking up at 3 a.m. She gave me Ambien, which I absolutely should not have combined with a bottle of wine, but I did. Um, Super dangerous. But I know some people definitely use that. They use melatonin, various things. Since you're someone who studies this all the time, can you tell us your take on those various medications?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not a fan. For a lot of, you know, for, mm-hmm. for reasons, I think there are exceptions. I think short term, you know, if someone's going through their heart, you know, people go through the death of a loved one. Uh, there, there are all kinds of situations that can uh, warrant a closely supervised, try, you know, uh, medication time frame that is, you know, to get someone through a rough spot or that's absolutely appropriate. Um But when I have someone raise their hand and tell me they've been taking Ambien for 16 years from a family doctor. I mean, you know, if you can't fall asleep without that, um, and and this this, uh, person had never been to a sleep physician. And, you know, it just so so if looking at it from a, a point of how long has it been going on, what does it need, you know, prescribed for? Is this ongoing or have we gotten to the root of the problem? And some medications Mm -hmm. are are going to be um, safer than others. Um, I I just think I would look, I I think the short answer is look at medications as short term. And when it Mm -hmm. gets down to some of those things, I would, and if it's not short term, go to the sleep, uh, make sure a sleep physician is managing.
0: That's great advice. Or you know, try for a while without it um, to get your body off of some of the medications. Do you feel that same way about sort of the non-prescription? You know, over the
1: counter. Yeah, I mean, I talk to people that are.
0: I mean, I think very
1: dependent on over the counter, like they have to have it at night. I talked to a a gentleman two weeks ago when I was at a conference. He said, two shots of whiskey and a melatonin every night is the only way he can sleep. And, you know, I just have to not make the face I want to make, you know, in front of him when he tells me that. I was like, oh, for the love of Pete. So, again, I said, so, like, I said, what happens when you don't do that? Well, he's been doing it for forever. But see, I guess I'm about getting to the root of the problem. Or, I mean, what is there a sleep disorder going on? Is something else yeah. going on? You know, what's going on with this person? There's some pretty um common, there's sleep disorders that can be managed and treated and totally uh taken care yeah. of. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a patient who had very severe sleep apnea. And, you know, sometimes there's a little hand holding that goes on for 30 to 60 days, helping someone. This was a um a uh, geriatric patient in his 80s, and you're getting adjusted to the CPAP, getting the pressure comfortable, and you know, just doing all of the the things. And I talked to his geriatrician briefly on the phone, and we were kind of comparing notes. And she said, "Look, Terry, let's just get his his diabetes is so out of control. Let's get that taken care of first and managed. Then we'll work on the CPAP." And I said, "Opposite." <laughs> I said, "Hear me, yeah. hear me out." I said, "If we get the CPAP taken care of and his sleep apnea under control." guess what's going to improve his mm-hmm. metabolism his I mean he'll be more motivated to do to be compliant with medications he'll be uh clear-headed he'll be focused I mean I think we we've done everything sort of backwards you know, in in Backward. several areas when it comes to sleep so I' um, we kind of flip the script it is something I recommend frequently to you know let's look at it in a different way why are you yeah you know what on earth? I don't know what, like, why would you have to have two shots of whiskey?
0: I mean, well, it, yeah, that is, that is not helpful and you are better than me because, you know, I went to my eye doctor and he was saying something I was like, well, I don't drink Mm -hmm. um, at all. He's like, well, some, he goes, he was joking. He's like, well, maybe that's the problem. And like, I like bit my tongue for approximately three minutes. And then I was like, Hey, heard you made that joke. You want to tell me, you know, like, why'd you make it? And he was like, uh, I don't know. You know, I've heard some, some alcohol can be good for you. And I was like, all right, let me talk to you. I mean, I'm that girl now, which is fair, but I'm just like, you need to be educated.
1: I mean, people do. I mean, and that's the thing. And I think we're both in, in roles that we need to do it um we're we're passionate about what we do we understand the science um and, and the benefits of these
0: healthy approaches we we have just a limited time. yeah i don't care if people drink or don't drink right. i'm happy to help them if they don't want to but i do mind when medical professionals are not informed right right, right. And, and
1: you yeah. know when i hear people tell me they have severe sleep apnea, but wouldn't put, you know, don't want to do anything about it and, you know, laugh it off. I mean, it's
0: cringeworthy. It's, it's cringeworthy. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I feel like the more we talk mm. about this, the better it will be. Oh, last question. These are all my personal questions. Wait, weighted blankets. Uh What's your take on that? I love them. I love them. Just be careful with kids, kids. That's the only, um,
1: you know, you got to make sure that the weight is based on body weight. But with kids,
0: I'd be cautious. Um,
1: I think they're great. I've had to
0: mm-hmm. come look up the right body weight for like yeah. yourself. Yeah. And then and you can yeah, have different because I know it can make you feel really secure. Mm-hmm. If if you like uh-huh. that, right? Yeah. And,
1: and I thought they were I, I couldn't sort of imagine how it would feel until I tried one. I just couldn't, you know, sort of picture it or, or imagine how yeah. But it, it is a good feeling. I know they do a lot of um, autistic kids and autistic people in general tend to have a lot of sleep problems and sleep issues. Um, so anything that gives them a little ex, some, some have, um, I've heard sort of just anecdotal accounts of, of sleeping better with those. Um,
0: yeah. It reminds me of when you have a baby and you swaddle yeah. them, you swaddle them really yeah. tight. Um Yeah. And then, of course, they always escape, like,
1: you know, every once <laughs> yeah. in a while. But it's little, do the little Houdini yeah. move to get out of
0: it. Yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, I, I'm i a big fan of the weighted blankets for sure. Nice. Well, so where can people find you and follow up and find your book? Sure. Um, Better
1: Sleep Council. I do a lot of work with that group. I've been working with them for about 10 years now, I think. And they're fabulous. They do some real interesting Studies Some of it's with consumers and bedding products, mattresses and things. But it's really good information um, about how people look at sleep and feel about sleep and what people's strategies. I mean, really good site, bettersleep.org. Um, okay. Yep. And uh, my books are on Amazon. My last name is C-R-A-L-L-E. Um, and uh, my sleep book was published in 2016. So, I mean, okay, it, it's... I'm not saying it's outdated. It's older, but we are working. I am working with some, uh, sleep notables in the pediatric sleep realm. And we are working on a sleep book for super young kids, uh, pre K oh. and K, because okay. we are convinced that well slept kids are healthy and uh, happy adults and productive and uh, have good lives. So we're, we're really working on getting those sleep habits established early. And and especially mm-hmm. to sort of underserved populations, making sure everyone has a level playing field and everyone can get the sleep they need and self-manage their sleep. So I'm real excited about that.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. And thanks for answering all of my personal questions. <laughs> oh, sure, Casey. Yeah, let's let's stay in touch. It was fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more.